there anybody here with us tonight? Can you make a noise to let us know that you're here? Can't sleep? You came to the right place. Cozy in, because we have an eerie night ahead of us. I'm Sydney. And I'm JC. And we are not afraid. Pediophobia is the fear of dolls, and it appears more frequently in adults than in children. Dolls creep people out more than frighten them, studies say, and dolls have 1,000 plus years of history and can be made out of anything, including porcelain, vinyl, sticks and rags, papyrus stuffed linen. Patricia Hogan, curator at the Strong National Museum of Play in Rochester, New York, states, I think there is quite a tradition of using dolls to reflect cultural values and how we see children or who we wish them to be. And what she means by this is that um, this can be seen in the facial expressions and the social behavior of dolls, and it tends to enforce gender norms and social behaviors such as sewing, tea parties, dresses, and so on. Dolls became creepy when they began to look too human in the 18th and 19th centuries, one article claims, and dolls were creepy before Hollywood. This just amplified the fear of dolls. Doll collectors often treat them as if they were alive and even refer to their collections as nurseries. We are creeped out by people pretending inanimate objects are real. And creepy dolls have also been portrayed in stories and artwork. Starting out, evil dolls were linked to an evil creator. Then we transitioned to fictional killer dolls like Chucky. And finally, studios started telling the true stories of real possessed dolls like Annabelle. Roots of haunted dolls stem from religious or ceremonial purposes, such as puppets, effigies, and voodoo objects. And they are later used for mystical purposes or the occult. Ancient Egyptians had marionettes of demons because they believed in order to protect themselves, they needed to be able to name and recognize them. So they infused these figurines with purpose and power, i.e. the fertility doll meant pregnancy. And they were used to appease superstition, by providing protection. Welcome to I'm Not Afraid of the Dark, but I don't mess with haunted dolls. Now, haunted dolls have also taken off in both the market and in television. So they have been featured in Ghost Adventures when they go to the Island of the Dolls, Deadly Possessions, The Simpsons in their Treehouse of Horror, and even SpongeBob's Sanitation and Sanity. So we are infusing uh, haunted dolls and the idea of haunted dolls all the way to um, from kids shows to adult shows and reality tv and everything in between the island of the dolls also known as isla de las muñecas is located between the canals of xochimilco and south of mexico city and it is dedicated to the lost soul of a poor girl who died young under strange circumstances supposedly a man named Don Julian Santa Barrera found a girl who had drowned and later found a floating doll near the canal, which he assumed belonged to the girl whose body he had found. Don Julian Santana Barrera was a native of Xochimilco who left his wife in the mid-1900s 
relocated to an island on the Tishulio Lake for unknown reasons. He was reportedly not of a sound mind and felt that he was haunted by the little girl's spirit. So he picked up the doll, hung it in a tree as a sign of respect to the girl in hopes of pleasing her spirit. He claimed the dolls were possessed by the spirits of young girls, so he continued collecting creepy dolls and hanging them throughout the island in order to protect it from evil. Sometimes he hung up the whole doll, other times he hung them up in pieces, an arm here and a leg over there, and he is said to pull dolls out of the trash and even trade produce for dolls to fulfill his need. He also filled his cabin on the island with dolls which he dressed up. After 50 years of collecting and hanging dolls throughout the island, Don Julian was found drowned in the same spot where he reportedly found the little girl. Some believe the tortured spirits of the dolls were the cause of his death. Others say it was simply an accident. Regardless, many people believe Don Julian's spirit is now on the island. The island is now filled with hundreds of dolls in which, quote, their severed limbs, decapitated heads, and blank eyes adorn trees. It has become a tourist attraction in which visitors often bring dolls of their own to leave on the island. While it is widely accepted that Don Julian made up the report about the drowning girl and the doll, visitors to the island report seeing dolls move, turn their heads, open their eyes, and whisper to each other. So haunted dolls find their way into tourism, but they also have created their own market that has uh, seemed to be climbing in recent years. So the fact that dolls have become more mainstream has created this growing market for the buying and selling of haunted objects in general, but particularly dolls. You can go on Amazon, eBay, Etsy, or virtually any online shop today and buy your own art haunted artifact. And they sell for anywhere from $20 to $30 to hundreds of dollars and sometimes even thousands of dollars. I was just on eBay today looking at haunted dolls and um, a lot of those are in the hundred plus dollar range. So it's a very expensive habit to get into, but uh, it is very easy to get your hands on a supposed haunted doll from any of those sites if you were interested. There is also an increasing number of haunted collectors and a new genre of paranormal TV shows led by John Zappis' Haunted Collector. Alrighty, so the first doll that we're really going to get into today is uh, one of the more better-known ones. The list that we're going to go through today is a mixture between ones that uh, Sydney and I already knew and some ones that we found that we had absolutely no idea about, never had heard of, um, which was pretty wild for me because I was like, oh, I thought I knew all the haunted dolls, but apparently not. Um, but the first one we're going to start with is Robert. Uh, in the early 1900s, a small boy, uh, either named Robert Eugene Otto or Eugene Robert Otto, was given a special handmade doll dressed in a naval uniform with a little stuffed dog of his own. Uh, the origins, just like the owner's true name, is a little foggy in the history books. Some say it was Jean's grandfather who gave him the doll uh, after a trip to Germany. However, other sources say that it was actually a servant uh, who had handmade it for the young boy as a birthday present, but secretly cursed it after Jean's parents had mistreated her. Uh, nonetheless, the bond between Robert and Jean was strong, and the two were best friends. The doll, however, uh, started acting strange right off the bat. Not too long after having the doll, Jean woke up one night to find Robert sitting at the end of his bed watching him, and the next thing anyone knew, Jean was screaming and crying, and his mother was working feverishly 
uh, on getting the door open. Once she got herself inside, Gene's room was a complete disaster. And Gene himself was sobbing uncontrollably on his bed, uh, curled up. And once she got him to calm down a little bit, all he could say was Robert did it. And that became the phrase that was most commonly used uh, as small, destructive, and random acts would happen near and around Robert. Not too long after that first incident, in Gene's room, uh, his parents started hearing Gene talk to Robert, which is, you know, normal of a kid, talk to their dolls and whatnot. But what was really unsettling was that uh, they started to hear a different voice respond to him as if someone else was actually in the room. Although whenever they go in, it was just Gene and Robert. And then later on, they started to notice that Robert's facial expressions would actually change depending on conversations. Uh, later on, they started to see him move and run up the stairs. Not only that, but they would hear him giggle as he went. Um, and then eventually, they actually claimed to watch him speak. Uh, so that was pretty out there for them. Eventually, Jean grew up and got married to a woman whose name was Anne. Uh, who, once they moved into Gene's childhood home after his parents had passed, uh, she asked him to place Robert in the attic after some time of him just being left uh, in a room of his own overlooking a street. And Gene was a little hesitant about it at first, but decided, oh, I guess you're right. We can put him upstairs in the attic, best for safekeeping. So he placed him up there, and whenever guests would start coming over, they would claim to hear footsteps in the attic and laughter uh, coming from up that way as well. Later on, uh, one day, some kids were walking to school, and they happened to look up and saw Robert looking out the window at them, almost as if he was mocking them, but uh, he was in that same bedroom that Gene had originally had him in before his wife had asked him to move him. So he continued to put Robert away into the attic, but nine times out of ten, he always found him right back in the same rocking chair overlooking the street. Uh, where he had originally been placed when they moved back home. Later on, uh, in 1974, Gene ended up passing away, and uh, new tenants bought the house and moved in. Uh, they had a daughter who was approximately 10 years old, and she was absolutely delighted to find a cute little sailor doll in the attic. However, very soon she claimed to be very frightened of Robert and said that he wanted to hurt her and often woke up in the middle of the night claiming to hear Robert moving around the room. And it wasn't too long after that and this little girl being terrorized that her parents decided that he was going to be best off in the East Marletto uh, Museum in Key West, Florida, where he can still be viewed today. Uh, however, the staff does warn that if you're going to take pictures or record him, that you should ask permission first or else your equipment might not work. Uh, and guests are also encouraged to take a closer look at Robert to see if you're able to see this 111-year-old doll smirk or move in his display case. No, thank you. I do not think I will be taking a picture of Robert with or without yeah. his permission. Yeah, I'm not interested. <laughs> <laughs> so the first doll that I'm going to talk about, uh, I'm a little bit skeptical of just because I only found a few sources and most of the sources did not seem that credible. But this is Letta the Doll. And so the couple articles, they were just like online articles that I found written on her. And I'm not quite sure of the credibility of the authors either. And some of them and their writings didn't even 
kind, they kind of made fun of it a little bit. So I, I'm not sure that they were 100% on board. But nonetheless, Letta did find herself on several most haunted doll lists. That's how she then makes it into tonight's episode. So Letta's story originates in Australia, where she is reportedly found under a house in Wagga Wagga, New South Wales, Australia. In the 1970s, Carrie Walton, now owner of the doll, was experiencing was exploring an abandoned house with his brother when he discovered something under the floorboards. He first thought this to be the body of a dead child, and he scooped her up to find that it was instead an old, creepy-looking doll. He named her Letta Me Out, supposedly because of her gypsy heritage and because on the drive home, him and his brother believed the sack she was riding in was moving. Mr. Walton claims to hear weird noises throughout the house, which he contributes to the doll and says that the doll has actually moved in front of people. Other reports include people feeling sick or overcome with emotion when they are around the doll, and dogs reportedly act weird around the doll and attempt to bite or attack her. In an interview with a psychic, Carrie states, quote, a clock fell off the wall when she was doing the interview, and when she was telling us about the kid that drowned, he moved in her lap, which leads him to believe that the doll once belonged to a child who had drowned. Many psychics have analyzed the doll and agree that she is inhabited by a young boy who drowned, and it is believed that this doll was probably made in his likeness. Although we can't be certain, it is believed that Letta dates back more than 200 years, and ex experts speculate that he was handcrafted in Romania. So the doll is actually a him and not a her because it was made in the likeness of this boy that had drowned. So Letta's appearance of exaggerated facial features certainly gives him a wicked vibe. Plus he has a full head of human hair, which would creep anybody out a little bit. Nonetheless, the doll still resides with Carrie and is said to bring good fortune to those who encounter him. Carrie occasionally tours and makes public appearances with Letta the doll. Um, otherwise, it's, you cannot go to a museum or see Letta the Doll in any other way, shape, or form. So take that one sort of with a grain of salt. I thought the claim seemed kind of exaggerated and didn't have a lot of evidence to uh, back it up. But again, does make it on the top haunted doll list if you are out there trying to look up haunted dolls. I'm glad you're not the only one who found a bunch of dolls with uh, human hair because I know at least two of mine. <laughs> Uh, this next one actually um this next doll's name is poopa and yes that is the correct pronunciation of it i did have to look it up just to make sure it's latin for puppet uh, which i found really interesting and she's a very interesting doll uh, she stands at about 14 inches with a blue felt dress felt arms and legs long blonde human hair with a big blue bow and later on after world war ii a small button owned by pupa's owner's grandmother. Uh, she was made around the 1920s to look like her owner, who was a young Italian girl, approximately ages five to six. Um, the girl who owned uh, Pupa had her in her possession from the 1920s until 2005 when she passed away. Uh, so she kept her throughout her entire life, much like Jean, who kept Robert throughout his entire life. Um, and throughout owning this doll, the woman responsible for her care claimed that Poopa was her best friend throughout most of her life and would often speak to her and even at one point saved her life, um, which I 
not so sure the credibility of that. I couldn't find much behind it. I couldn't even find the woman's name who originally owned this doll. So I'm not quite sure of this, but this is the very widely accepted story uh, of this in even telling her grandchildren like these stories of she was her best friend. She talked to her. She saved her life. So take that however you will. Um, after the passing of her original owner, however, Poopa reportedly began really showing the world what she was capable of by showing her new family that she was displeased with her current living situation. Uh, Poopa's new family states that she often taps on her glass, moves other objects around in her display case, moves herself into different positions, and even at one point during a cleaning, they found the words Poopa hate inside of the glass on her case after they uh, fogged up the glass with their breath. So she's not happy. <laughs> Very interesting. And that sounds like a lot of the same claims that I was finding. I found that a lot of these dolls seem to sort of overlap in the way people reported the activity. So I don't know if that's a coincidence or not, but a lot of this stuff sounds very familiar, except for Peggy the doll, who we did interview, not interview, we didn't interview Peggy the doll. Um, we, we did mention Peggy the doll in our last episode when I interviewed Patty Nagri. So if Peggy the doll sounds familiar to you, we got into it a little bit, got her perspective on it. And I'm going to bring some of that in here when I did further research on Peggy, but we're coming back to Peggy to talk a little bit more about her. And she's a very different haunting from everything else that I've read in terms of these other dolls. So according to Patty, nobody really knows the history of Peggy the doll. We don't know where she originates, when she first became haunted or why, but we do have several documented accounts of the effects Peggy has had on people, many of which made headlines as the account circulated through the media. So uh, Peggy was pretty mainstream. She doesn't have the movies out there about her, but there is a book that I'm going to talk about here in a minute. And she did get a lot of media attention for a while. So it is reported that some people who have seen Peggy's picture on the internet have experienced nausea, dizziness, and sometimes chest pains. Others report their computers freezing, lights going out, and the room getting cold when they talk about her. According to an article by D.D. Mason, quote, Peggy the doll has a long paranormal history. She is said to be one of the most haunted and dangerous dolls in the world. It is believed that Peggy is possessed by the spirit of a woman born in 1946 in London's Holland Park who died of a chest-related condition, possibly an asthma attack. And psychics have speculated that she was of Jewish descent and may have ties to the Holocaust, which would certainly explain what's going on with Peggy and the negative feelings that people get out of her. According to an article on Red Book, quote, British paranormal investigator Jane Harris reported over 80 cases of people having chest pains, nausea, and debilitating headaches after looking at photos or videos of Peggy. Others have reported visions of mental institutions, anxiety, and even heart attacks. Jane runs an organization called Haunted Dolls and received Peggy from her previous owner, who claimed, quote, she wake feeling hot and shaken, Harris said, no matter where she moved the doll to in her home, the nightmares persisted. She apparently sought the help of a local priest, but two visits later, there was no change. Jane has also written a book on Peggy called Peggy the Doll, A Very Different Haunting. And Jane claims that Peggy can even affect people's dreams. On one occasion, a woman claimed that Peggy visited her in her dream to warn the woman about one of her cats. And the next day, she awoke to one of her cats being sick and died that same day. 
Today, Piggy the doll is on display at Zach Bagan's Haunted Museum in Las Vegas, Nevada. He acquired the doll from Jane Harris, who appeared on Deadly Possessions with Peggy. Many people have reported successful communication with Peggy via a spirit box, and she is said to know all, even your name sometimes, without having met you before. Whether Peggy legitimately makes people sick or not, Patty believes she did. I did ask her this question, and she believed that it was genuine. We may never know, unless we experience it ourselves. Peggy Negri was certainly convinced. Jane Harris and her organization are convinced, and there are lots of personal experiences by a wealth of people who are convinced. And that was the thing that made me think twice, because um, it's two pretty well-known, uh, not necessarily well-known, but two pretty credible people, plus like 80-some others. It's not just four or five people. There's a lot of people out there saying that uh, Peggy has affected them in this way. So Peggy's threat is so real that there was a viewer's discretion is advised warning before her appearance on Deadly Possessions and nearly every article that includes a photograph of Peggy. So whether it's true or not, a lot of people are really worried about it to the point where they're sort of covering themselves and putting out uh, a caution warning before anybody looks at a picture of her on video or even on the internet, on TV, whatever. So the threat is very real for a lot of people out there. Now, personally, for me, when I was researching Peggy, I did not stare at her photo for too long uh, for fear of becoming nauseous because when I was researching her for the interview with Patty, so researching her the first time, I did start to feel a little bit nauseous and stop my research. But I'm also not convinced that this was related, related to Peggy's photo because in the back of my mind, I knew that nausea was possible. So... I don't know if it was just in my head or if Peggy really did get to me. And this was sort of the thing that I was asking Patty about. Because if you go into um, an article knowing that, hey, this doll reportedly makes people nauseous, then you're going to probably feel nauseous regardless because you know that's how you're supposed to feel. So um, that's why I don't know what to think about those 80 people unless they go in there not knowing about the nausea and then experience it anyways that I would find a little bit more convincing, but still Peggy, um, a lot of people take Peggy very seriously and put those warning labels out there for viewing even just a photo of her on the internet. Might also just be the pure anxiety of it alone. Just cause like you stated, a lot of adults are very like stressed and creeped out by dolls, which is very understandable. Uh, like they're creepy little things, but <laughs> yeah, that's true. But you never know. You never know what can happen. <laughs> Alrighty, this next doll that we're going to move on to was made in the 1800s. Uh, her name is Lily, and she is a German-made doll, or German-made doll, excuse me, uh, with a very squat face, dark eyes, dark-colored uh, human hair, and a long, almost blush gown. Looks almost like a nightgown. Um, not much is known about her, uh, aside from the fact that a antique dealer found her in Salem, Oregon, and took her home. However, once in her home, he started having strange and terrible dreams about a little girl being tortured and abused. Uh, he then decided to take the doll to his shop uh, for safekeeping or possibly a sale, whichever came first. But that's when this next odd occurrence happened. Um, once again, uh, kids talking to dolls. Not really a huge deal, whatever. Uh, but this young girl came in with her parents and talked to this particular doll for three hours straight. 
uh, and then proceeded to tell all the shopkeepers uh, and everybody around how this little girl had been abused and tortured um, and just basically everything that was relayed to her from this doll. And the most eerie thing about this whole conversation was it wasn't just like a kid like, oh, you're talking to me and or I'm talking to you and then I'm pretending to listen. It's no, we're having a full on conversation like what you would with somebody else. Um, <clears throat> later on, uh, somebody actually visited uh, the shop that had this doll in it as well. Uh, I actually happened to see it on the tweet that Zach Baggins had posted once he had purchased this doll. Uh, but somebody else had previously looked at her and the shopkeeper almost refused to sell her to her because she was worried about her safety. Uh, but once Zach Baggins came in to buy Lily, they trusted, like, knowing his nature and knowing that he was already inclined to this sort of thing. Um, they allowed him to buy her. But when the woman went to pick her up from where she was on the shelf, she started muttering that she needed to wash her hands. And then all of a sudden she was immobilized due to stomach pains. But after a little bit, she was all right. They got her calmed down. Uh, and Lily now lives in Zach. Zach's museum uh, with his collection of haunted dolls and many people who go through uh, the museum claim to feel her eyes specifically on them. Um, another little post that I saw on that tweet that he had made about buying the doll was that uh, somebody had uh, their girlfriend with them and she had a panic attack because she just felt that Lily was just staring her down and she didn't even know about her before she ever even came in and they ended up having to leave the tour. Wow yeah I know you have to sign a waiver and stuff before you even go in the museum for issues like that because some of this stuff in there is for real that you don't want to mess with. Mm -hmm. So moving on as you've noticed a lot of our dolls so far have been foreign, either made or found or experienced in other countries. And that is the case as well with Okiku, which is, I assume, how you pronounce it. So in 1918, Japan, a 17-year-old boy bought a doll for his two-year-old sister. The doll was about 40 centimeters tall, wore a kimono, and had short black hair. His sister, Okiku, fell in love with the doll, and it quickly became her favorite toy. She named the doll Okiku after herself and took the doll everywhere. It never left her sight. In 1919, Okiku died of yellow fever at the age of three, the girl. It is said that she died gasping for air in pain and afraid. The family wanted to bury the doll with the girl, but were forbidden to do so by the government, so the doll was placed in the family's altar instead. This is when things started to get weird. The first odd thing the family noticed was the doll's hair growing. Previously, her hair was about shoulder length with neat ends. Now it stretched past her waist and had split ends. At night, they would dream of Okiku and wake up to the doll lying right next to them. The closer it got to Okiku's birthday and day of death, the more activity flared up. Lights would flicker, they heard banging throughout the house along with voices and strange noises. They were convinced that their daughter's soul was trapped in Okiku the doll. In 1938, the family relocated and donated the doll to the local temple so that Okiku could stay near the girl's grave. The temple gladly agreed to take care of the doll for them and confirmed that the hair did indeed grow a little bit each year. 
They even sent a sample of the hair to scientists who were able to confirm that the hair was indeed human. Today, the doll's hair gets trimmed frequently to keep her content, but the more famous she has become, the more active she has also become. She now reportedly invades the dreams of the priest who watch over her and any visitors that come to see her. Supposedly, her mouth is also opening ever so slightly, and some claim to see baby teeth sprouting inside. Okiku is located in her private shrine on display in a little wooden box in the Manenin-ji Temple in the town of Awamizawa, Hokkaido, Japan, which I probably just butchered. But she is on uh, a temple in Japan near where the girl was buried, um, the same one that I assume that the family gave her to originally. So this one was kind of creeped me out a little bit because uh, they could actually scientifically prove that uh, her hair was growing. You know, it's not, we can't say that that's paranormal or whatever, that it is Okiku who's possessing her, but scientifically we can say that her hair is growing, and I'm not quite sure how else you explain that away. Absolutely, that's odd. <laughs> the next doll we're going to move on to, though, uh, is another older one. Uh, her name is Mandy. She is an approximately 100-year-old baby doll with a cracked and almost warped face, and she is known uh, to many as Canada's Annabelle. Now, according to uh, the museum that now cares for her, Mandy was passed down from the donor's grandmother. However, the granddaughter's own daughter was just too young to be careful with the fragile doll. And it just kind of gave her mom the creeps anyways. So she just decided that the Quinzel Museum was the best place for her to go. Uh, so she dropped her off there. Uh, they took Mandy into their care in uh, 1991 and almost immediately noticed activity. Um, they left her in their lab uh, for filing. And after they came home, just from the first night, after they came back, I'm sorry, to the office, they saw that it had been destroyed. Like, kitty temper tantrum destroyed. Um, and the next thing they they started to notice was that the little stuffed lamb that was given to Mandy to keep her company and kind of busy was often found outside of her locked display case. Uh, and more and more people are traveling to the museum every year just to see her. Uh, however, uh, just kind of like Robert, if you do indeed travel to see her, be prepared for a little bit of electronical trouble just because she doesn't really care for much pictures. Just don't take photos of haunted dolls, period. Just leave them alone. They just don't, they don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> although i i'm pretty sure if i ever saw this next doll in person i would have to take a photo just because Absolutely. of her fame and glory and that is annabelle so bear with me here i did the most research on annabelle just because everybody tells the story a little bit differently and i think the problem with that is um, with the movies out there and they are not entirely accurate in a lot of ways and so some people mix that in with the true story but i try to stick to the accounts as told by the warrens themselves so annabelle is a generic raggedy ant doll not like what is pictured in the movie with red yarn for hair who is reportedly possessed by an inhumane spirit her story begins in 1970 when donna a 28-year-old nurse received a Raggedy Ann doll from her mother as a birthday gift who had purchased the doll from a hobby store. She kept the doll on her bed and noticed the doll would change positions. 
Donna and her roommate Angie started finding parchment paper on the floor with a message that read, help me, even though they had no parchment paper in the house. The adults started relocating the different rooms and even reportedly looked to be leaking blood on one occasion. Once when Angie's boyfriend Lou was napping in the house, he awoke to the feeling of someone staring at him, scratches on his body, and Annabelle staring at him. Other versions of the story say Lou heard noises in the house that sounded as if someone had broken in. And upon investigation, he found no sign of, Anna, of anybody, but Annabelle was laying face down on the ground. Donna and Angie originally tried to chalk the activity up to an intruder, but eventually ruled out that possibility. Their next move was to contact a medium and perform a seance in which they contacted the spirit of Annabelle Higgins, a young girl who had died in a car accident right outside their apartment complex. According to the medium, the spirit of Annabelle felt comfortable with the residents and, quote, wanted to stay with them and be loved. Donna and Angie then gave Annabelle, per quote, permission to inhabit the doll. Things got worse, so they called an Episcopal priest who contacted his superior, who eventually contacted the wards. Ed and Lorraine began working the Annabelle case about a year after the activity had first started. According to an interview with the Warrens in 2000, you can go and get this on YouTube. They sat down, Tony Spera, in an interview. I've got some information from that. And then they also, um, Lorraine was also interviewed by um, somebody who wrote an article in more mo modern times. And this is the information that came out of those two things. So in 2000, they said Donna and Angie started treating Annabelle like a child rather than like a doll. They would dress her up, take her on a car rides, give her lots of attention. The Warrens concluded that the doll was not possessed by the spirit of Annabelle Higgins, but was being manipulated by a demon and was looking to, quote, possess a human host. They speculated that Donna and Angie's trouble began when they believed Annabelle needed their sympathy and began giving the doll lots of attention. The Warrens had a priest come in and exercise the apartment and took the doll with them. Ed Warren is reported to have warned Lorraine that it would be a rough ride home, so they should probably take back roads instead of the highway. He was not wrong. Lorraine reports the brakes stalling on a couple of occasions, only to be resolved by Ed splashing holy water on the doll. They couldn't keep Annabelle confined, as they would lock her in the study or in an outside building, and she would turn up elsewhere later on. Annabelle now resides in a locked box at the Warren's Occult Museum in their home with a sign that reads, Positively Do Not Open, and a hand-carved inscription of the Lord's Prayer and St. Michael's Prayer. Throughout the rest of his life, Ed would periodically say a binding prayer over the case to keep the doll and demon trapped. One visitor did not heed this warning while visiting with his wife. He antagonized the spirit, tapped on the glass, and challenged Annabelle to scratch him before being quickly kicked out of the museum. He died a few hours later in a motorcycle crash after leaving the museum. His wife survived but was hospitalized for some time. Obviously, um, the Warrens are no longer living. Lorraine passed away a couple years ago, um, and Ed several years before that. Uh, but from my understanding, I think she is still in the museum. And I'm not sure if, I think Tony Spare was like their step kid or something. Um, I know he has a lot to do with it. And um, Haunted Collector, John Zaffis, um, is also related and has a lot to do with their stuff as well. So I'm not sure which one of them actually have possession of the museum, but I believe Annabelle is still there. Um, but upon the last I investigated, it is not open. It is 
permanently close. And I'm not sure what that means or what the future holds for them. But uh, from my understanding, Annabelle is still in her box. Probably the best place for her. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So this next doll is an absolute bone chiller. This one is the one that personally got me the most as I was doing research. Uh, and his name is Harold. And now a lot of people probably already know about Harold because there was a big old thing on eBay about him uh, when he first went up for auction. Um, this doll is apparently one of the, the most haunted dolls in the world, according to this eBay ad and the gentleman who uh, owned him first, whose name was Greg, where Greg got him, um, how he found out he was haunted, anything like that, was never really specified in any of the research I did. However, nonetheless, Greg was the original owner. Whenever he first decided to put Harold up for auction, um, someone actually bidded $700 for this doll. $700. And uh, Greg was th thrilled, and he's like, oh, yeah, heck yeah. Uh, well, the guy ended up not paying, so Greg was like, well, I'm going to put it up for auction again. Uh, so he threw it up on auction, and a woman named Kathy started bidding on it. Well, Greg knew this woman because it was his older brother's friend from their childhood. And so he admitted that this was all a big hoax just to get her to buy it, basically. Uh, which she didn't really care. She was really only looking to buy Harold to flip him for a profit a couple of months later after owning him. So she didn't really mind once she won the doll and paid for him. After the first auction was over, Harold had already gained quite a following. Uh, so once the second auction came around, everybody knew about him at that point. And they were really wondering what was going to come out of uh, him and his new home situation. And Kathy found herself also wondering that same thing once he arrived in her home. Because once she saw him, she immediately realized that something was very wrong with this doll and ended up just storing him in a closet in her house for about a year uh, instead of the original just three to four months she'd anticipated. When she finally did put the doll up for auction again though, she said the doll was not haunted but cursed. Uh, Kathy claimed that the doll was responsible for two deaths in a month or in a six month period. Uh, one gentleman moved in with Kathy and his room was the same room where Harold was being kept. The man was a health nut, an avid hiker, mountain climber, biker. Um, however, after only three months of living there, he was diagnosed with lung cancer and died a few weeks later. Now, this next part, I'm not sure if it happened before or after uh, this gentleman had moved in and passed away just because uh, all the research was a bit fuzzy with uh, the wording. Uh, but a woman, I saw, found some articles that said the reason he moved in was because this woman had passed away. And then articles saying that she had passed away after he had. But this woman had actually asked to see Harold that knew this other gentleman and once she saw him uh she took a trip out to amsterdam and she shortly died after that by falling down a flight of stairs um as soon as she got there basically anthony quinetta i believe is his last name uh, he's the current 
uh, caretaker of Harold now, uh, who for the longest of times has had Harold put away, but has now taken him out of storage to discover what secrets he's hiding. He's got all kinds of stuff. I watched a little bit uh, of one of his videos, and in that video, he's actually doing a flashlight, the flashlight trick. Uh, Sydney and I have t discussed what that is in previous episodes. But basically, for anyone who doesn't know, you kind of turn a flashlight, a twist flashlight, in between on and off. You set it down, then you ask yes or no questions. If the light comes on, it's yes. If the light stays off, it's no. But he set this flashlight down in front of Harold and said, Harold, do you want to hurt me? And it took him a couple of seconds. But after a while, the light just started going on, off, on, off, on, off, on, off. And I was like, oh, that's, uh, that's great. <laughs> we love that. <laughs> but... Haunted dolls are not for the faint of heart, but if you would like to start collecting, it's an easy collection to start, but not a cheap one. If you don't mind the fact that they're not haunted and you just want to creep your guests out, Goodwill is always perfect. That's where I get a majority of mine from. Um, and you never know what you're really going to get there. Never know. Mm -hmm. um, but if you do want to go out and buy those haunted dolls, like Sydney said, they're upwards of a hundred to a thousand dollars, but feel more than welcome to do. Um, but if you have a haunted collection or know someone who does, please reach out to us on Facebook or by email. We would love to talk to you about your collection, how you started collecting, and why, as we ourselves are not really haunted collectors. Um, and don't forget to check out our YouTube channel to see our video recording of this interview, of our last interview, excuse me, with Patty Negri and the audio of some of our other episodes and please like and share us on Facebook. Thank you for joining us tonight. Tune in next time as we discuss spiritual healing with another local expert. We are not afraid. <laughs>